Welcome to the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast for Friday, June 24th. And if it's Friday, that means one thing and one thing only, people. Kick your Friday. Friday. Mark Schofield here running the show on Kicker Friday, as always, with my partner in arms, Mr. Chuck Zotta. Chuck, partner in legs. Kicker Friday. Partner Partner in legs. legs. I like that. Kicker Friday, buddy. What are we going to talk about on this Kicker Friday? Yeah, what we're going to talk about here is uh, the... The, the changes and adjustments that you need to make kicking in various types of weather, as well as what I believe to be a, a little bit of, I don't know if it's a flaw, but a little bit of uh, what I would grade as an incomplete in the scouting process for kickers due to the time of year that it takes place at. So really trying to dig into the effect that weather has on kickers, uh, how kickers can adjust to different weather conditions, and, and what you need to look for when you're scouting kickers uh, to figure out if they're able to adapt to those weather conditions. Because as we saw in the playoffs this year, look, when it really comes down to it, the games that matter, you're not kicking in a dome, aside from maybe the Super Bowl, which you are. But you know the, the games to get there, you're going to be kicking in the cold. You're going to be kicking in the snow. It's going to be rainy. you got to be able to handle the elements, and we're going to talk about how you do that. Okay. At the outset... Dealing with the elements when you're a kicker, is there a physical component to it? Is there a mental component to it? Are they both sort of intertwined? Yeah, I mean, really when you look at it, it's, it is both of those. Let me talk first about the physical. The, the single biggest issue that kickers have uh, is, at least in my opinion, is dealing with cold. Wind you can deal with, rain you can deal with, snow you can deal with. The cold is really, I think, the biggest factor uh, that affects, or at least that affected me physically. And, and the reason for that is because unlike hands where, you know, you talk about yourself as a quarterback, Mark, and, you know, you probably had one of those cute little, uh, you know, things that you put around your waist that you could put your hands in and you had hand warmers in there and you were able to keep your hands warm, right? Or at least somewhat warm. Quick story about that. I don't want to sidetrack this too much, but no, my, I think it was my, my A team year. So my last year in Pop Warner when I was in eighth grade. The coaches had somebody sew in one of those pockets into the front of the jersey, into the belly. Like they did this like probably late October, you know, because New England, it starts getting a little cool around then. So all my game shirts, all my practice jerseys had that little hand warmer built in. But the weather, we kind of had a warm snap for that stretch. So maybe I was the first Marshawn Lynch because I brought Skittles into the huddle. Oh, you, you made it into a little snack pack. I turned it into a little snack bag, and I, I literally like handed out Skittles for good plays in the huddle. Mark Schofield, entrepreneur, you should have sold that. You could have, I mean, you could have made a lot of money yeah, off but that. Y- y- I mean, you know how it is. You're not going to sell those to your teammates. You're going to reward them for good plays. Oh, so, segueing off this once again, and this is going to show you just how far we go on Fridays. So, when I was in high it's, school, it's the summer, man. It's it is the summer. So, when I was in high school, I went to a school that was ninety percent uh, boarding school. Okay, I was one of the few students that didn't board uh, at school there, and so my my I think it was my junior year. Um, you know, I had, you know, a couple of my friends who lived there had asked me to bring a couple, you know, Wendy's Junior Bacon Cheeseburgers back. And so, you know, I brought them back. A couple other people saw it. All of a sudden, next thing I knew, within a span of about two weeks, I was calling the Wendy's, uh, the, the franchise near my house, and I was placing orders for like 200 cheeseburgers, 50 Frosties, you know, 100 fries. And then I was selling it to kids at school for like 200% markup. My I, goodness. I, I got I got I got <laughs> shut down in about a month just because the school looked at it finally and they're like, Look, you're ripping all these kids off. I'm like, I know I am, 
but technically there's a market for this, and I'm just trying to make a little cash on the side. And you know what I would do? I'd, I'd come in, I'd deliver it, I'd pay kids 20 bucks to take it to all the different dorms so they'd make See, some cash off it. you basically had an operation set up. You had like I was, underlings working the, for you and everything. My big orders at the end, I was probably making four or $500 a day. That is tremendous. Just re- reselling Wendy's at two to 300% markup. So, what uh, a planet. I mean, and, right, and I got shut down. In, in any case, uh, talking about trying to stay warm. Okay, now that we've successfully covered uh, how to run a black market fast food ring, um, trying to keep your, your information warm, for life, people. Information for life. Look, if you're if you if you've got kids in school, show this to them. You know, put them to work. Get give them that entrepreneurial spirit. But you know, trying to keep your foot warm. The first issue that you run into, you don't have the blood flow that you do to your hands. It's you know, you talk about uh, if you've ever been you know on an airplane and your legs kind of go numb and this and that, or you know when you're feeling cold, your feet are kind of the first place that you know you really you know you, you really notice it. You don't have the circulation in your feet that you do in your hands. So that's the first issue in keeping your feet warm. The second is you can't put you you know you can't put them in anything to keep them warm. You don't have you know a glove for your foot that you can put on. It just doesn't exist, and it probably wouldn't work. Work even if it did so what about those big huge like air blowing heater things that you see on the sidelines can you just like stick your foot near one of those well we, we didn't have any of those at the time they might have them up there now but we didn't i know um i would have loved to have one of them but the the big thing is you know your, your foot effectively turns into a brick and you lose a lot of the ability to control it so it really becomes an act of faith in terms of you know, a lot of times when I was kicking in temperatures in up in New Hampshire, you know, the last couple games of the season, we get down to, you know, below 45 degrees in a lot of cases. And you're sitting up there saying, look, I'm, I have to trust myself that my foot's going to be in the right place because I don't really know. I can't feel it and I don't know where it's going to be. So that would be something that you'd have to adjust to from a physical perspective, as well as, look, the ball compresses a lot more. I mean, we, we learned in Deflategate with the ideal gas law that, Look, when it gets cold out, those balls get a little bit softer, and that changes a little bit how it comes off your foot. You're, you're able to, if you wrap your foot around it more, you get a little bit more of a feel of that, and it, it ends up taking it in a slightly different direction. So you have to adjust a little bit and come a little bit more clean through the ball. There's really an emphasis placed on proper technique for that. But, you know, the physical aspects are things like that, but mentally you need to make sure that you realize the adjustments that you're making in different weather conditions as well. And so, for example, if you are kicking in snow or ice and you don't have the right footing, what you'll typically do, or at least what I would do, is I would shorten my back steps so I wouldn't go back quite as far and I wouldn't go over quite as far just because I knew if I tried to cover that distance, the same distance I would with good footing, I'd probably fall over just because the traction wasn't there and wasn't able to, and I wasn't able to get the right platform. So instead, what I would do to adjust is I'd say, look, I'm not going to try to uh, get as much momentum built up. I'm going to make a slightly shorter run up. I'm going to try to, you know, make sure each foot is planted just the way it needs to be. But I got to shorten my approach in order to do that and clean up my steps. Uh, and that's kind of the mental aspect of recognizing what you need to do in different conditions there. Is this where we get kind of into the mental component here? Because when you were talking about kicking in the cold, you said you used the words, you have to trust that your foot's going to be there. Now you're talking about kicking in the snow and you almost kind of got to trust that you're going to have your feet under you when you go to plant and kick. Like, is that where driving out the uncertainty comes into factor? 
You know, it, it really is because when, and this is one of the issues that I also have with uh, the way that I, I think we tend to evaluate kickers a lot is we tend to evaluate them an awful lot in the summer. And the thing is, when you're evaluating kickers in the summer, it's 80 degrees. You know, there might be a little wind, but it's generally, it's not bad weather. And it's just like when you're when you're playing quarterback in the summer, everything feels good. You know, you could you know you've got the shirt rolled up a little bit, you've got a good sweat going, everything feels good. Well, you know, September's kind of like that, but then you get into October, November, and look, I, I know I compare kicking to golf way too often, but I'm going to do it again here because you know you're a golfer, Mark, and you'll go to the range and you'll work on some things, and you'll say, okay, I want to make sure that you know I keep this arm straight, and I want to you know try to you know hit through the ball and not pull off it and this and that. But when you actually get out on the course, just like when you're going out to actually kick, uh, you know, in a game. You don't want to be thinking about any of that. You don't want to be sitting there saying, okay, now I need to remember to do this or I need to remember. To... You want to simply be saying, look, I've got all that in my back pocket. I worked on it over the last week. I worked on it over the last month. Today I came out. I saw the adjustments I needed to make and I've made them. And you want to have everything pretty much locked up and buttoned down, ready to go. And I think that's one of the biggest things when we talk about kicking, because look, a kicker only gets three to five opportunities a game. Okay, Uh, you know, you might get, you know, three extra points and two field goals and that's it. So you've got five plays that you're out there and, you know, you miss one of those. And that's that's a big deal. You can't miss a kick a game and still expect to be able to compete at a high level. You know, you you have to be able to perform every single time that you're called upon. And it's daunting. Look, I was not able to do it consistently enough uh, to be able to. Uh, really, I think, you know, maximize my talent. And, and it was probably because I didn't have the mental aspect completely figured out uh, the way that I needed to. So I think it's incredibly important to be able to trust everything that you're doing and have that in place beforehand. Because the second you start thinking, well, if I, if I, you know, take my foot like this and do that while you're actually trying to kick in a game, look, by the time you do that, some guy's probably all over you or you're just going to end up overthinking it and you're going to end up missing. So you need to end up with that clear head in a game. And I think it's, you know, there's different things that work for different people. But the big thing, you know, having talked to a number of different specialists, you do all your work beforehand and then you've got to trust it in the game. You can't be thinking uh, about what you're doing when you're actually out there. Now, what about looking at the kicker position from our side of the ledger and you talked about you know how people should approach evaluating kickers when we evaluate different positions like dan hammond at the scouting academy the way he talks about it you're always looking at context you want to watch games on the road games at home games against good competition well it's a little different evaluating the kicker position but should you try to at least watch kickers in the elements to see physical adjustments mental components see how that plays into their game Look, that's, I, I think it is one of the most valuable things that you can do with kickers. And the, keep in mind, the vast majority of kicks that kickers take are generally going to be in good condition. So it's not saying that it's going to affect them all the time in the season. But it's, again, when you get into those critical games, whether it's, you know, you're playing uh, in a bowl game where it might be raining or windy, whether it's you're playing in a playoff game where you've got snow coming down, you need to have a sense of how kickers are going to be able 
to adjust to that. And, and I think it's incredibly important because those are the games that you want to be able to be successful in if you're a kicker. You don't want to be the GOAT in a playoff game because everyone looks at you, even though there may have been you know, 50 other players whose fault it was that your team didn't end up, uh, you know, that they ended up relying on you for that kick anyways. So I think from my perspective, being able to see how kickers react to negative circumstances in terms of not feeling comfortable I think it's it's huge in terms of the evaluation process. I'll give you an example from when we were down in Mobile. You were there. It was what, maybe forty five degrees the first day, and and pretty windy. Yeah, it was. You know, it, it was not hospitable conditions by any means. Ross Martin from Duke, who's now uh, you know in in camp with the Jets, comes out, drills. It was either a fifty nine or a sixty one yarder. I can't remember what it was, but I'm sitting there and I'm saying, okay. Look, you know, this is this is not an easy place to kick right now. The wind is swirling, it's cold, you're not necessarily loose, and he steps up and just stripes it. And and to be able to do that in those conditions and with every eye looking at you, I think that's another thing that I like to look for is, you know, how do kickers perform uh, during evaluation periods when people are looking, not just, you know, what they can do in practice, you know, and off to the side on their own, when they have all the eyes on them. How do they actually do? Because that's that's the situation that you are in uh, when you are a kicker at the NFL level. You have every eye on you. There is nowhere to hide. It's not a situation uh, where you can you know take a play off and say, okay, I'll get it on the next one. Again, you've got three to five plays a game. You take one play off, you're, you do that every week, you're out of the league. It, it just doesn't work. So you, you have to be able to show up both when you know when all eyes are on you and in bad weather because being able to look at that you know bad weather evaluation and say look I saw this guy kick you know when it was windy when it was rainy when it was cold it gives you confidence and it also gives the kicker that confidence that look I can handle what's coming to what's what's coming down the road at me well you had the article out this week kind of looking at this stuff that's up on inside the pylon right now people should definitely check that out is there anything else you want to cover in this topic of kicking in the elements uh, one thing that I'm working on right now is I uh, started a couple days ago now uh, putting together, I'm doing a study on this to uh, effectively try to look at how different kickers react to different points in the season, at, you know, effectively trying to factor weather in as well as factoring in uh, things such as dome stadiums, grass versus turf, uh, all those types of things in order to figure out, look, out of the kickers in the NFL today, Who's actually, you know, the most able to handle a number of different situations? So I'm putting that together right now. Uh, it's kind of a pain because you have to go through game by game. There's no way that I've found at this point uh, to be able to strip out all that data about kicking surface and so forth. So you kind of have to go through uh, and, you know, check the stadiums that people were actually playing at at the time just because some are new at this point. Uh, but pretty much I'm digging through all that, and I'm hoping that within the next month or so, uh, I can have the data on that wrapped up. I've got, I think it's from the last five years, there are 33 qualifying kickers that I'm looking at, and I'm hoping to have that information uh, probably by uh, end of July, early August, somewhere around there. Well, that's fantastic. We will look for that. But until then, another Kicker Friday in the books, my friend. It is another Kicker Friday in the books, and we've only got one more before the 4th of July. Ooh. We are closing in. We are closing in fast on training camp, man. It flies by, but we've only yeah, we've got what about four weeks? Yeah. Hope you enjoyed summer, man. Uh, it's over.
pretty much. Folks, that's all for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to another great installment of Kicker Friday. Please, you know, follow the work we're doing. You know, check the site inside the pylon.com. Follow us on Twitter at ITPylon. Follow Chuck on Twitter at ITP underscore Chuck Z. Um, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Um, and on a personal note, today is June 24th, and the fifth birthday is a big one. And to my son, Owen, happy fifth birthday. I know you will never listen to this, but that's okay. Daddy loves you. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening. <laughs>